Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Fosterkew. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hey Wonder Goats. This week, I'm hoovering with the amazing nutritionist, therapist, and self-declared former wellness wanker, (laughs) Pixie Turner. First, though, thank you so much if you came to Hoovering Live last weekend. My guests were Joe Brand and Jay Rayner. I was so scared before it, um, but then as soon as I got there, I relaxed because they're two of the most interesting, lovely, brilliantly funny kind awesome people I've ever worked with they are they were the most incredible guests they were my dream panel um so thank you so much if you came um you will have seen more than will ever end up in the edit so yeah you're you're the winners if you came thank you thank you thank you um it will be released as a podcast but not for a little while yet but you can come and see other live stuff stand-up stuff i'd love that i'm recording a radio show a half hour special called powerhouse for radio 4 which is a sort of reworking of half of my stand-up show hench um it's free you can just apply for tickets it's on the 28th of july in the evening at up the creek Uh, which is a really lovely comedy club in Greenwich. Also, Hench is on tour from basically now, end of July through to the 10th of August, all over the UK. Um, I know there are definitely still tickets in Sheffield because I'm in a huge venue in Bristol and the matinee shows in Manchester. There are some tickets. I know lots of the others are sold out. Cambridge, Glasgow, Edinburgh. Have a look. Uh, there might be one where you are they're all on my website jessicafosterq.com or as ever links will be in my podcast notes Um, as they will be for everything interesting that Pixie and I mentioned throughout this episode anything in the podcast notes that's in capitals it means I've turned that into a link Um, please can you tell other people about hoovering thanks just go excuse me have you heard about hoovering and then they'll go yeah and then you have to go no not like hoovering I mean, hoovering. Yeah, if you could have that conversation for me to about 10 people each. We'll all be really happy, I think. We'll all be happy. You'll have had a nice chat and I'll have got 10 more listeners. Um, I don't look at how many... What sort of monster looks at how many listeners they've got? Not me, but I just... I think I'm obliged to ask you to spread the word. (laughs) 
Um, I mean, I hate asking you for money, but you can also give me that if you want. Go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod and you'll see what you can swap in exchange for your hard earned pennies from about two quid a month. I think it's the lowest rung. You get everything from guest recipes through to um, discount tickets to live shows. And there's loads of options on there for uh, little bits and bobs of exclusive content. I shouldn't say little bits and bobs. Some of them are big bits and bobs. Pixie and I hoovered over Zoom because of the sheer downright busyness of us women. We ate stuff uh, made in a factory somewhere. Mine was flipping delicious. So spicy. Also, Pixie just has the most excellent outlook on things from a learned experience and education. And so I absolutely loved ferreting around in her brains, as you will hear. Pixie, thank you for joining me for a hoovering. What a treat. Thanks for having me. This is very exciting. Um, I'm more, I always feel particularly chuffed whenever I get anyone on who knows what they're talking about. I'm often talking to clowns, <laughs> and actors, MPs. Um, so no, so yeah, talking to somebody who understands things about nutrition is uh, dreamy. We are eating something shop-bought. That was our only remit, wasn't it, for lunch? Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Um, and I've what lost, have you got? I've lost the lid of mine, so I just just sort of show you a brown pot. But um, I regularly ogle them. There, it's a company called Soul Food, and they do uh, just like these pots of lunch. And I've got West African peanut and bean stew. Oh, that sounds tasty. Yeah, I've already nearly exploded it. You're supposed to balance the lid on it in the microwave for the second half. And I, my balancing was too close to reapplication. And when I got it out of the microwave the second time, it all like started to implode. It was all like sucked in. I thought it was going to blow, but I've saved it. Um, also, uh, between, you've got to have a give it a stir half time. And um, I did lick the lid then. And I, uh, it's very bold on the spice front. I'm less brave than I used to be spice wise. So I've plopped a bit of sour cream in instead because it needed eating up anyway. Sounds like a smart move. Yeah. Tell me what you've got. So I'm the kind of person who, especially in summer, yeah. I like a plate of snacky things for lunch. Mm, yummy, yeah. So I've got a couple of things here. <gasps> oh, yes, please. I've Ooh. got some shop-bought tzatziki because I cannot be asked to make it myself. Okay. Play. I've got these corn picnic eggs Fit. because they're so tasty. They're just so good. Do you know so what? I, my partner loves them, but I am a big, big into the corn mini sausages, like the picnic sausages. Oh, see, I'm not a big fan of those, but the oh. eggs, mm, I okay. love those. All right. And I've got okay. some olive bread. That's I can't remember where that came things. from. That's but, one of the best uh, things anyone's ever invented, that is. I definitely did not make this. Yeah. And I've got some sugar snap peas because crunchy. <laughs> Lovely. I nearly put some seeds in my pot of um, stew because crunchy, but I couldn't be asked. Um, and I tell you what, it's so nice. It's lovely having a podcast about eating and it's lovely cooking for people. And I do love cooking. I don't know if you love cooking. I really love cooking. It brings me joy. It brings me joy to eat and it brings me joy to feed others. But fuck me, the joy of having arranged to do one of these where I knew I could stick something in a microwave for four minutes <laughs> was actually like game change, revelatory, really relaxing. It's the, it's the least stressed I've been in the run up to a hoovering for a long time. Oh, well, my pleasure. For being up for that. I guess maybe we should talk straight off the bat about why we're doing that. I, um, well, why we like made it a point to have something that was made in a shop um, because so correct me if any of this is wrong, but like you're a nutrition counsellor and a trainee psychotherapist. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Um, and you and your amazing journey to where you're at now are featured as part of a really thrilling and important documentary that's on iPlayer at the moment called Bad Influencer, the great Instacon. Which isn't yeah, about for the record, you. I'm not yeah. the bad influencer. In <laughs> yeah. <the story. laughs> yeah, I feel like actually, I was like, oh, we should clear that. Maybe we should have cleared that up. Um, yeah, but I, I'd love you to give us like a recap here on on how you came to do, be doing the job that you're doing, what your connection is to bad influencing, and um, and how you just how you got to become this wise, enlightened, anti wellness bullshit warrior that you are now. 
Oh, okay. It's There's a, a big old there. introduction, yeah. But I just yeah. wanted to give myself a chance to eat some of this lunch while you spoke. But we, <laughs> but we can break it up. So I don't want you to have to just sit in front of your lunch and not be able to eat it. But yeah, start with whatever element of that that you can that feels most natural to, if you don't mind. Hmm. Well, I suppose I I was asked to appear on the documentary for a couple of reasons. Yeah. Firstly, because I sort of ish knew the bad influencer in question, right, which okay. is Belle Gibson. So Belle yeah. Gibson was an Australian wellness blogger who claimed to cure her terminal brain cancer with food. Yeah. And then in 2015, it turned out she not only didn't cure her brain cancer, she didn't have cancer at all. Oh, God. And it was, the story was huge at the mm. time. And it's still, there are still people who don't seem to know about it and who are completely and utterly shocked by it. It's, and the reason why- It is shocking. It's yeah. catastrophically shocking. Absolutely. And the reason why I sort of knew her, knew of her and so on is because I was a wellness wanker right. back in- <laughs> Such a lovely way of putting it. Thank Didn't really let you put it like that in the documentary, did I? But yeah, no, good old podcasts. No, exactly. It's why podcasts are so great. But yeah, I was a wellness wanker back in mm. around 2013 to 2015. Yeah, fair for play. the most part, I had a bit of a health scare. Turned to Doctor Google, right. found all of these beautiful, shiny, happy, healthy wellness bloggers on right. Instagram because it was yeah. just when Instagram was really kicking off. Okay. And I thought I shall join the ranks. Right. And uh, so I did. I started copying what they were doing by cutting out pretty much every delicious food under the sun. No meat, no fish, no dairy, no eggs, no gluten, no refined sugar, no soy, no joy. No soy. Yeah. No, no joy. alcohol. Um, minimal alcohol. Minimal. minimal. Alcohol. I was a student, so I couldn't go no alcohol. alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> good. Oh, I'm glad you didn't go the whole hog. Oh, and no, that's what that and that's what that wellness movement was was essentially um, a sort of rebranded version of, or maybe not even, maybe it openly was just a version of really extreme in inverted commas clean eating. Yes, clean yes. eating was the big thing back then. It definitely was. And uh, I fell for it utterly yeah. and completely and I started We weren't alone. No, not at all. And I started sharing my food pictures on Instagram, yeah. my breakfast and lunch on a daily basis. Okay. Not dinner because winter UK too dark, terrible lighting couldn't possibly share a subpar photo. So <laughs> <laughs> I shared two food pictures pretty much every day for wow. a couple, for about, oh God, 18 months to two years, something oh like God. that. And uh, I thought I was doing what was healthiest for me. Yeah. And uh, nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, uh, in the end, turns out not so, not the right approach. No. Perhaps not, uh, not exactly the healthiest mentally. For one, it's incredibly stressful and anxiety inducing to be worrying about every single mouthful that mm -hmm. you eat in case it's uh, not healthy for whatever reason yeah. or not good enough by some certain arbitrary standard defined by the internet. And as after I studied, I, f I went off to Australia, which is where Belle Gibson lived. Right. And while I was there, I met some anti-vaxxers <gasps> who made me question what the hell I was doing around people who were wellness bloggers and anti-vaxxers. Right. And then shortly after that, the Bell Gibson scandal erupted and I lost oh. all faith in wellness. And I thought, uh, fuck this, I'm out. So oh. I got out. Oh, gosh. Oh, oh, I could cry. Um, what a happy ending. I'm sorry about the, the, the rocky road to where you are now. But f yeah. it doesn't get much happier in terms of endings than that. I mean, congratulations on your freedom. You. Essentially, it sounds like, you know, I've got friends who've talked about escaping, you know, cult-like religions, and it doesn't sound dissimilar. It doesn't give me a dissimilar feeling of elation for you. It does sound like freedom from a cult, almost. Yes, it was also incredibly stressful at the time. And yeah. when I started posting pictures of food that wasn't... Um, just 100% plants. I never described yeah. myself as vegan, but uh, yeah. 
I use the term plant-based to mean basically vegan. Once yeah. I started posting pictures of animal products, I received two years worth of abuse and regular Jesus. messages from people saying that I was a terrible person. I was disgusting. I had What? betrayed people. I was destroying the planet single-handedly. I was a murderer. And um, the, I thought you were vegan questions continued oh, for a good two years. Oh, no. You know, I mean, I think, I think in... Um, You know, even if you're not in the public sphere with that that stuff, if you, I, when I first started doing this podcast, I never described myself as vegan, but I said I was flirting with veganism and I was vegan-ish and I was, and actually the plan was never to go all in, but it's very, there's a lot of adrenaline about it at the beginning because it's, it's um, in the same way that there's always a little bit of adrenaline around a new, fresh, exciting way of restricting what you eat. <laughs> Um, until it's yeah. miserable and, uh, and becomes an obsession, etc. And I, luckily, at that point, I was doing it at the same time as I was having my, and beginning of my enlightenment and some really good therapy, etc. And coming to terms with, you know, an adult lifetime of disordered eating and realising that diet culture was, you know, once and for all really understanding how toxic and useless and pointless the cycle that I'd been in for my whole adult life was. So I quite quickly, having for the first probably six months of the podcast, three, three and a half years ago, going pretty much full vegan, quite quickly um, realised that it was a set of absolute rules that wasn't going to work for me anymore um, to be completely plant-based. So dropped it. But even then, you know, I've got family members who I have seen, you know, less so in the last year for obvious reasons. But who, if you've been ever plant-based at any event <laughs> once you then can't you can't ever go back you know you'll be having a bit of fish at the next wedding that you see them out there be like oh, aren't you vegan um so you've probably got that a million fold and from the public which i can only imagine is much worse <laughs> yeah i got it from the public not so much from my family my okay, family good. were just like thank fuck you're eating something that's oh, good. got cheese in it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we've been really worried about you missing out on cheese this whole time I mean, um, I feel sad that I missed out on cheese for two years. And now yeah. I barely go a day without eating cheese because it's one of the most beautiful things that humans have ever come up with. I just think it's stunning. Um, I saw a tweet the other day that you've reminded me of. It's literally just somebody saying, um, imagine who invented cheese. I mean, we probably know it's probably some sort of mesotopian It's probably somebody in history, just some brilliant person, probably a woman who's Absolute never been credited. Genius. A genius, absolutely. <sighs> I should talk to you some of my more normal, silly questions, I think, and break up all my heavy, big, juicy questions I want to ask you. Okay, okay. Um, I'm ready. I'd love to know... I'd love to... Let, I don't know anything... We're new to one another, and I'd love to know perhaps what eating was like growing up for you i don't know where you grew up i don't know if you had siblings i don't know if you were interested did you get an interest in cooking from when you were growing up i did have an interest in cooking so i grew up in the british countryside me too just outside london in hertfordshire oh lovely and i was so lucky growing up my parents had this beautiful house Great. With a large garden, we had chickens or ducks oh, all the time, oh. and we used to feed them as kids. We used to give, we used to call them, and they'd run down and come, come down to the the back, uh, to the back entrance, and just oh, I love it. Eat, and it was really lovely. And my mum didn't work, so she okay. she cooked. She just looked after us and cooked every single day, and it was. I mean, that sounds pretty great, doesn't it? Yeah. I love it. Does yeah, and my mum's German, so there was a lot of that kind of influence in cooking. That's interesting. Oh, I've got an Austrian grandparent. I had an Austrian grandparent, oh, really? so I didn't have that um, Germanic food or like constantly. But I stayed with them at half terms and stuff like that. And I feel like it was a really, it was like a really interesting and joyful bit of my eating experience as a kid was getting to eat things, lots of. German things. So did that, what sort of things were in the things that were cooked for you as a kid? Uh, for example, we wouldn't, so at Christmas, we do German Christmas on the 24th. We yeah. still do as a family and there's no turkey. Instead, it's uh, usually, it would be something like wild boar 
Wow. And roast potatoes? No, not really. Think we've we've now made roast potatoes a thing okay. as part of our Christmas dinner because they're just too good. At yes. Easter, <laughs> at Easter we'd have um, it's called Ayamid Zemf saucer. So it's eggs, like whole boiled eggs, usually colorful shells with this beautiful mustard sauce and then fresh white asparagus and bacon. And it's, mm. it's just delicious. And oh, I can't oh. wait. I think it's eaten on Easter Saturday. <gasps> I am going to get an absolute bollocking from my grandma. I got that <laughs> wrong. But I think, I think that's the, that's the one. I, I've missed two Easter's now with my, with my family. So oh, of course, it's, it's gone out of my brain. Um, a really strong cake game as well in Germany, isn't there? Yeah, and the bread is yeah. amazing. Just yeah. amazing. Yeah. I've always felt most uh attuned to that bit of my DNA at breakfast time actually, because I love to have some lush bread with some like cheese, butter and like a savoury thing on buttered bread for breakfast. Mm. I mean, you can't go wrong with buttered bread. Buttered bread is one of the ultimate joys in life. I just had a slice, actually, because I was too hungry. Um, (laughs) And we just had a... This is the most bougie thing that's ever happened, especially in Catford, where I live. But I get my bread delivered once a week from a really nice bakery in Broccoli. I know, what a snazzy... It started in lockdown. I was like, well, that's nice. Support local business, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm like, well, I've carried that on, haven't I? Like a spendy wanker. I don't care. It's absolutely lovely. And so when it arrives, which is always on a Thursday, it's always late morning on a Thursday, it's sort of a rite of passage that you have to immediately have a slice. I'm toasty. Oh, absolutely. It's like when you buy a baguette, you have to just bite the top off. Yeah, yeah, just bite the head off. It's the yeah. law. That's the law, that is. It must um, be done. And were you fussy as a kid or were you? did you eat everything you were given? I ate pretty much everything. Oh, great. Um, oh, the only thing I didn't like that. was leeks. And mm-hmm. I still I still don't really vibe really? with leeks just because I have too many memories of, of being... Fine. Like, not quite force-fed, but mm. uh, strongly encouraged... Um, and one time I was so disgusted that I threw up the leaks immediately <gasps> afterwards involuntarily oh, no. as a child. And that oh. memory is still there. And so Did I'm, they continue to um, sort of nudge you in the direction of leaks even after, Not after le- that? No. Nope. Yeah, great. <laughs> Not after that. No. Do you know, I think you're like the third guest in a row who's got a story of having a food forced on them as a kid and then like actually puking it. And that was the only way they got out of having it. Forced yeah. to get on the I can wonderful. understand why yeah. parents do it because, you know, to a certain extent, sometimes you have to try things a couple of times before yeah. you like them. Absolutely. Me and Olives absolutely was yeah. that. I had to eat them several times. And then eventually I was like, you know what? These are nice. Yeah. <laughs> it just took a bit of it just took a bit of time and repeated yeah. exposure. So I get it. And also, you know, my mum would sometimes spend hours cooking. And then yeah. for me to go, ew, no. Mm. Yeah, I can understand if that would piss her off and she'd yeah. be like, no, eat it, because I'd probably do the same, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I've I've got a five-year-old and actually I'm sure things will settle into really more permanent likes and dislikes as he gets older. But at the moment, I have to, he, it's pretty fickle, the things he, you know, and he'll go for things that I don't know that it's possible to like generically not like all of. He'll There'll be a week where he's like, you know, I don't like rice. And you're like, what? What's wrong with rice? Yeah, but the problem is you. Yesterday you ate a really big bowl of rice, and it'd be like, well, that's different. So yeah, you've just got to sort of weave through the bullshit years, I think, make them try things a few times, as you said, but not to puke point. No, that's uh, there's a line, and that's crossing it, and that's it. Yum in my tongue. This is sometimes a hard question to answer, but sometimes people have an answer that pops to mind immediately. What's the worst looking but best tasting thing you've ever eaten? I think that my um, peanut and bean stew is pretty crap looking, but it's bloody delicious, actually. And I'm really grateful for how bold they've gone on the spices. Hmm. Oh, that's a tricky one. Mm. I'm not sure. I would say probably the... Eggs with mustard sauce and asparagus. Oh. It doesn't look good. 
Yeah, fine. It doesn't. The white yeah, asparagus. It's not white asparagus. It's all just loads of different whites and browns and yellows. Yeah, basically. It's not very attractive. The mustard sauce is thick. It's mm. so thick. Like you, like it doesn't run off a spoon. It goes down in plops. Oh, it's nice. properly thick. It's absolutely delicious, but it's, it's very thick. You shouldn't want to eat anything that goes down in plops. Should you really? It's such a beautiful description. It goes down in plops. <laughs> and Sorry, I'm a absolutely... bit sleep deprived today, so that's, that's really fine. tickled me. It's wonderfully tasty, but yeah. it's a it's a bit ploppy, and um, it does. It also doesn't look good. So that's probably one. But it's absolutely tasty, and there's so much nostalgia attached to it yeah. for me, and yeah. so many happy memories of spending time with family. Yeah, that I look at it and just go with that. I could not give that to somebody who doesn't know what this is. Yeah, <laughs> but I would play. definitely eat it. Good. Um, I want to snaffle up your learnings. Your Instagram is such a sort of glorious, informative, safe, joyful place to go. Um, Thank you. And I, yeah, I, I, I'd love to talk to you as someone, you know, in the know, and me as someone on the learn out on the learn about because I have so many guests I think on this podcast who are, I that with the best of intentions talk so negatively about emotional eating and comfort eating mm. as if they're the as if they're morally bad types of eating um and I I'd love to get your take on that I think because I understand there's a disordered compulsion to eat you know a large amount to crush emotions. I get that. That's binging. Been there. But as I as I understand, there's, there's I don't. If you t- so, that's a very extreme end of the spectrum of that. Mm-hmm. And ironically, that's I. That's not f- from my experience. That's not emotional eating. That's cr- crushing emotion eating. <laughs> that's like a. It's a. Di- that, that's when it's tipped. It's the. It's the difference to me between being excited and being terrified. It starts with the same crumbs of the same hormones mm. and moves into something completely chaotic. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know, I, what's, your, what's your take on that, I suppose, on that in terms of comfort eating and emotional eating? Is there genuinely a discernible way to work out the difference between, you know, some sort of base animal body hunger and actually your body going, oh, can you give me something nice? You know, I'm, can, you, can you feed me because it's a nice thing to do? Not yeah. just for fuel. Yeah, you can differentiate to a, to a large degree, I think, yeah. with, with practice and with experience. Right. But I, I dislike this idea that yeah. all comfort and emotional eating is inherently bad. Mm. I think whether or not it is constructive or destructive partly depends on your own perception of right. it. So it's a very individual thing. Yeah. But also there are there are degrees of comfort and emotional eating. Comfort mm-hmm. eating can be a wonderful thing that brings you closer to people you miss. Yeah. Or people you've lost. Yeah. Or a sent or a culture or a country that you feel separated from in mm. some capacity. Or simply can actually just make you feel a little bit better about life when Mm. you feel a bit shit. And we always, there's always a conversation, I think, about food and depression, mental health in a long term sense of, yes, the research shows that long term for good mental well being, the connection with food is to eat plenty of fruits and vegetables. Like, duh, that's not exactly surprising. But that's long term. And we vilify the short term so much, but I think we forget that the long term, we can't get to it unless we get through the short term. Yeah. And if comfort eating gets you through the short term so that you can make it to the long term and yeah. then do the long term thing, I don't see a problem with that at all. I see yeah. it as you doing what you need to do in that moment. Yeah, 100%. And also emotional eating is is impossible not to do because we are, we're not robots, we're human. Our, literally the very first experience of eating that we have when we're born is hopefully in the arms of someone who loves us, who is holding us and comforting us and protecting us whilst also feeding us. How can we separate food from comfort and safety? Yeah, potentially feeding us from their body. It's how can you then, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, God. How yeah, can we separate those things out when that is literally our very first experience mm-hmm. after we're born of, of eating is an association between food, comfort, and connection and safety. It's it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 to, you know, an enormous extent showing love through feeding people you love, that's it feels like an absolutely glorious basic excellent bit of humanness mm. yeah like it absolutely. is like, i agree i, I love i really love cooking for people and that or feeding people things that you've made it's so nice um it is yeah. nice yeah. It's, it's, yeah and then and then there and then occasionally that's and then it can get complicated because then sometimes you've got people that are loving you through feeding you and parents, for example. And then there are also people who will then give you conflicting messages about restriction. <laughs> yeah, this is something I see quite a lot, actually, yeah. in people. They describe that um, their parents were big feeders yeah, and they would show love through food and they were expected to eat everything. And mm-hmm. if you left some food on your plate or you didn't eat very much, it was taken as a personal offense. Yeah. But at the same time as having as almost being constantly encouraged to eat all the food, your body must not change. Yeah. Your body's not allowed to change from where it is now. You must not gain weight. Yeah. You must eat all the food, but you must not gain weight. Yeah. Thermodynamics says how (laughs) yeah but this is the paradox that a lot of people grow up in and then yeah it's incredibly challenging then when they if they do gain weight for example and then their body is deemed a problem yeah and they're told to eat less whilst also being told to eat more at the same time yeah that messes with people's brains yeah 100 percent Completely messes with people's brains. If you add on top of that, then narratives that we're taught in childhood around not a, not showing emotions. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you've got a, a decent recipe for disordered eating where food is used to suppress emotions on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah, just sort of summed up my childhood and early adult history there, Pixie. Thank you very much. <laughs> Accidentally. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, but spot on. I had a, my dad's... Uh, the one with the Austrian mum and she was absolutely identical and so he was he was like you know literally popped out of a mould identical in that sense of like just loves feeding and I'm really into food and I love talking about I still love talking about food with him you know and if you if I go somewhere interesting to eat it's a pleasure to text him and be like oh I've just tried this etc 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 but some nice just food ASMR in the background here. Oh, lovely. No, I mean, these m- listeners to this podcast are used to a bit of background chomping. It's a necessity. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, so on the one hand, you'd be sharing all this love and getting all this love. In fact, it's, it's I'd say, main way of showing it. Um, not, not particularly brilliantly equipped verbally, physically, etc. in any other way. But for example, like a, if you have a fallout, You'll just be given a sort of carrier bag of ready meals <laughs> as a sorry, etc. Anyway, he sort of and his mum both match that with not just a don't change your body, but I'd go so far as to say quite a visceral and verbal hatred of fatness and fat people. And like, a, you know, if there's somebody who's fat, that will be or not even fat. If there's somebody who's not thin. <laughs> They'll be mm-hmm. called chubby so and so or fat so and so in that in that side of my family, and that's it. That's how they're known. And it's like Jesus, it is in. Well, it's got to the point now where it's, especially as a comedian, I think where you're constantly looking for those sorts of incongruities, if that's the right word, those sort of um, conflicts of head and heart and logic and. Mm. Uh, Oh, logic and and instinct. Um, it's really funny to me now that he's it, because it's that's lunacy if you're still allowed to use that word. Like it's just doesn't make any sense that behaviour. Um, but obviously, as a kid, you're just like, well, yeah, it's incredibly confusing. Um, yeah, it is, but it is ridiculous. Um, I there's a list of things on your Instagram recently, which I really loved. Um, I loved all, I love all of it. Um, 
and now I'm aware of you. I, I feel I may check in regularly and your Instagram's going to go on my list of places to look to get your head back in the right place. Thank you. That's um, very kind of you. There was a really great list of nice things to do to improve your body image, which I love the fact included have a wank or a se- have an orgasm. I think it said, I don't think you said wank. I no, I like the word that. orgasm. It's a great word. And I think we it's need to be, word. we need to be more open with using that. Yeah. Because it's, it's no biggie. It's just an orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> um, true that. We can hope that it's a biggie, but you can also have a tiny perfunctory one, practical yeah. one. Big ones, oh. tiny ones, they're all great. They're all great. Quick, working day one. Just have more. Yeah. Just, orgasm, just have more. Orgasm a day is a recipe for happiness, I think. So true. Yeah, so true. Or, you know, it's a bit like eating intuitively. It's a bit like hunger, isn't it? There are some days where you might need 10 and there are some fortnights where you might need none. You just roll with the flow. You do you. I think if people, I genuinely think if people orgasmed more, <laughs> there wouldn't be such a massive audience for things like wellness. Do you know what I mean? Because I think even meditation, a lot of the time, I don't know if it's a meditate that you need. I think people quite often need a wank. Um, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I also think there'd be a lot fewer angry people on Twitter if people just had a few more orgasms. (laughs) It's so true. It's the perfect response to any trolling comment, isn't it? Please may you go go away and have an orgasm. Please go away and have an orgasm. I wish upon you the joy of an orgasm. Goodbye. Good day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But also also on that list was something I hadn't heard of and I wanted to ask you what it was. What's a body scan meditation? Oh, I love this. So this is a way to incorporate that kind of mindfulness Mm. uh, whilst building awareness of what your body feels like. Right. I think one of the things, especially with the amount of time that we spend with screens and with distractions, we don't often actually take the time to consider, well, how does it actually feel to live in my body right now? Mm. And what does it feel like? What do I notice? Because by noticing and being more attuned with our bodies, we are more likely to then be able to respond to what it's asking. Yeah. More likely to recognize hunger, tiredness, thirst, eyes hurting because you need a break from a screen. Right. All of the, or like even just social connection, all of the, or a wank, all of these things are more easy to recognize if you're more in tune with your body. Otherwise there's a bit of a disconnection going on. A body scan meditation is essentially a kind of guided meditation, although you can do it on your own. Oh, right. Where you become, you you bring your awareness to a specific part of your body. So you start with your toes and you just focus on your toes only. It's actually surprisingly hard to do. Yeah. It's like with fingers and hands, relatively straightforward. I can bring my awareness to my hands quite easily and they almost start to tingle a little bit because I'm so aware of them. Yeah. But if I had to do the same with my knee and calves... It's a bit harder. So yeah. you systematically go up the body, bringing awareness to see specific parts of your body, slowly, slowly up towards the head and then back down again. Really trying to bring that awareness just to that part of the body and just noticing what it feels like without any kind of judgment or criticism with only curiosity. Yeah. And just build that sense of what it's like to be in your body with all its different components, ending with just the whole experience of being in your body. Mm. It's really lovely, actually. Yeah. Oh, you have given me a memory that's not perhaps very useful of a a brilliant, um, my brilliant therapist, but doing a, I think sort of making me look for something, sort of closing my eyes and doing that, scanning up and seeing where, seeing where it, like seeing where my focus ended up in my body. Ooh. And um, I just got annoyed in the end because I couldn't find, I couldn't find a spot for it to sit still. <laughs> oh well. Fair enough. The whole I the think point of the... I'm really out of practice. That does sound like the sort of thing. Well, I say really out of practice. I've never got good at it. I've never practiced it. I've never tried. It's pretty it. hard, I think. Yeah. And also with the body scan, you're not looking for anything in particular. Right. It's just, yeah, just having notice... to look up and down. Yeah, it's just notice what actually is there, and yeah. ideally with your eyes closed because you don't want to see. You want to feel. Got it. And seeing gets in the way. Some types of moving my body make me feel more connected to my body in that way. Is that normal? That kind of yeah. like, um, you know, where you're like, not necessarily like massive, you know, really hurt yourself. I don't mean that. I just mean, 
that sort of slight dull ache that you've used, you've used a muscle in an area. Yeah. That's sort of that, like, oh, my arse, stuff like that. You know, yeah, oh, my lower. Especially the arse. Yeah, the arse, uh, uh, tra- traps, the, yeah, anything neck. If you, uh, I don't know, I've, I feel very aware of my back, less of my front. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, your spine is kind of a significant part of you that does yeah. play a big role in your entire functioning. So yeah, yeah and it's uh, busy. It's always never not busy. The old spine. Yeah, it's always um, doing something. Yes. Say scrum diddly umptious. No. And then you can be in my podcast. Scrum diddly When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Are you up for talking about your historical relationship with eating? Well, you already have. I mean, you spoke about going down the old wellness road to a point of quite extremeness. I don't know if you'd... In the, in the documentary, do you talk about... Do you use the word orthorexia? Am I even saying it right? Yeah, I did I did mention that, I think, yeah. at one point in the, in the documentary. Yeah, what? in the sense that um, when I look back, I wouldn't mm. have identified it at the time, but looking yeah. back... I fit a significant number of the criteria for orthorexia at the time when I was in the middle of wellness. It's all that anxiety around food. Is this good enough? Is this healthy enough? Yeah. Really being hyper-focused on the healthfulness of food to the point of anxiety and stress and missing out on social situations in a nutshell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is... Um... I mean, two things on that. One, that is why we're having shop-bought things, because I think part of that, like, clean eating movement is that you don't eat anything that's got more than a few ingredients in it. You have to make everything yourself. And that in itself, actually, is really restrictive. And actually, you know, we've just come out of a lockdown where we were all at home the whole time. And even during that, I thought, God, I'm actually stuck. At the beginning, I loved having the time to cook several times a day and then actually by the end I was like no this is a bind this isn't the life that I chose I chose to have a life where I worked and was out having adventures and adrenaline in my life I wasn't I've I don't actually want to do this all the time um it's exhausting and it does keep you thinking about food and eating constantly in a way that I thought I'd shaken off I'd been allowed to shake off like I'd done so much work to shake this off and now all I'm doing is cooking eating washing up cooking eating washing up it's like ah you know, I didn't, I'd have gone back in time. Yeah. yeah I, anyway, I am, um, I also, I think there's still a bit of society and I even know a few people of my generation, I won't say our generation, I think we considerably younger than me, but um, who don't believe in orthorexia. I think they think you've put a label on people that want to eat healthily. Um, yeah, and some I've, of those are laughs. people who would open, got laughs. Well, when I've discussed it on talks, not in terms of myself, but just as a general kind of, here's a thing. Oh, God. And I've described it as an unhealthy obsession with eating healthy. I have uh, sometimes had people in the audience laugh at like, oh, what a ridiculous notion. Jesus. 
Makes me want to kick them, Pixie. It's not useful, I, is it? That's not it. a useful resolution. Tweet them and ask them to have an orgasm. Don't kick <laughs> them, Jessica. I, um, I mean, it I makes get it me to annoyed. I do get it to a certain extent. Funnily enough, the people in my life who say, oh, whatever, it's just eating healthily, are people who would miss social situations because they were having, a, you know, they were on some kind of extreme restriction. And yeah, then people just who classic I, denial, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. But and also, but they're people who I have to arm's length every now and again because I have to protect myself around that kind of language and behaviour. It is boggling to me that you can't. Again, it's this thing of like going. I, you're not calling a thing bad per se. The, the, it comes as a difference between you know eating because it makes you feel lovely, and equating that with the the horror of binge eating to crush an emotion like. Yeah, you can go, oh, do you know what? You can. I feel like I'm at a place now where like, I'm interested in gut microbes and stuff. So I'm like, oh, I'm very happy to have some fermented, a bit more fermented food in my life. But that's, you know, that, that's the extent of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rather than going, right, well, I'm going to weigh out this much kimchi for Monday. I'm going to make sure I've had some kefir on Tuesday between 11 and 3. I'm going to fast till 2. And then, like, it's, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it I don't think people get that there's a difference between having an eye on your health and being interested in nutrition and um, and being absolutely consumed by it. Yeah, exactly. It's a spectrum. And on the one hand, you've got a perfectly healthy relationship with food with an interest in pursuing, let's say, healthy eating for the sake of argument, yeah. even though what actually does that mean? Yeah, <laughs> Very vague. absolutely. Yeah. They're pursuing nutrient-dense food and in make wanting your body to feel good by giving it all the nutrients it kind of needs. Let's go with that. And on the other end, you've got, I can't cope and I will completely fall apart unless my beans are organic. Yeah. There's a big uh, yeah, difference. Yeah, and I'm bringing a Tupperware to every dinner party I go to. And I'm, yeah, if I'm going. Yeah, there is a bit massive yeah. difference. Yeah, it's like the yeah. difference between doing some exercise. And being so obsessed with exercise that you will run on an injury. Yeah. Because you feel you have to and you cannot cope with not doing it because the anxiety is just too high at the idea not to. Big difference between those things. And no one's arguing that we, oh, you shouldn't do exercise because you might be obsessed. No, it's a spectrum. Just It's about actually just understanding where you're at on that so that you can be honest with yourself. Yeah, 100%. I have to keep an eye on myself with exercise. I I love weightlifting very much and want to do it all the time. But in great news today, I've chosen not to do it, not on an injury, but on a hangover. So I think that's a good sign. It's a great um, move. <laughs> I thought I'd rather have the nap. I'll take the nap. Um, okay, what would you say um, about the five-second rule? Something's gone on the floor. Yes or no, you're picking that up. I'm picking it up. Great. And then I don't I want to waste to, food. I like to hear that from a cat owner as well. I mean, as I sometimes feed my cat with my hand and then Great. I just get on with my day. My cat licks me and I just don't bother washing my hands because I just can't be asked. So well, I'm good. I, 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 this could be absolute bollocks and please call me out if it is. But isn't it quite good to get off with quite a lot of animals, microbes-wise and immune system-wise? Or is that wellness bullshit? It, it, in childhood, yes. Oh, in right. adulthood, it probably doesn't make much of a difference. But as in, I have in been getting off with so many animals. Oh, <laughs> no. But in young childhood, yeah. Builds up yeah, it does seem to have some benefit and Great. for the immune system and for Great. the kind of gut bacteria to be exposed to animals when you're quite young just to get your body used to it quite quickly because your body's really doing a lot of building work and figuring shit out at that point in life oh it's fascinating isn't it what would you have what would if you have a hangover what's your go-to foods or drinks i'm one of those people who when i'm hungover i'm not that kind of person who has a bottomless stomach Mm -hmm. i struggle to eat oh really yeah so i go very basic i go with very cheap, wonderfully sliced mm-hmm. supermarket bread. Oh, I'm happy for you. And Lovely. I put some avocado on it and so mm. much salt and pepper that I basically drown it. Oh, yummy. 
A and squeeze of lemon or step no, too far? No, no, too no, no, no. Super shush. simple. And I start with that. Okay. And if I can do that and some sparkling water, mm. then I step it up and I have another piece of avocado on oh. sliced bread with an egg. And if I can do that, I'm good okay. to go. Oh, this is lovely. That's the Beautiful. test. If I can pass those two tests, I can get on with the rest of my day, basically. If I, if those don't work or I struggle with those, yeah. I need to be careful that day. Yeah. Back to bed with a Or yeah. dunk in the sea. Something other than food and drink is going to be required to fix this problem. I Probably bed in a book. Yeah. I struggle to focus on reading if it's a really belting hangover. Um... Maybe about a bed in a box set for me. Or a podcast if it's that bad that you have to hide under the duvet. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and the light. Even the light from the screen is... Yeah, it's not that bad today. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm not sure I have got hangover as much as... I just had, for me, an old lady, an impressively late night. <laughs> um, I've been doing a run of shows and it's the last time I've ever done a show in... Uh, it's the last one I've ever done in London. And I met a friend I hadn't seen for a long time afterwards. And it was exciting. And I got a taxi home and had to sneak in. Really the excitement. You can tell you're old. Well, two things. You can tell you're old when one, that is thrilling, because that hasn't happened for so long. And two, you can tell you're old when you just have a birthday and your mum says happy birthday. And then in the same breath, God, I can't believe you're 38. Um, <laughs> then it's the first year my parents have ever been sad at how old I am because <laughs> it makes oh, really? them even older. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got two younger sisters and they oh love making fun of every birthday I have that you're getting old. <laughs> Not really, but okay. No. Um, what's the most futuristic thing you've ever eaten from the future? Ooh. I've I've done some tasting menus in London sometimes. Oh, great. Not recently. Okay. Yeah, it's been a weird but, old year. Uh, I mean, I had a dessert that was l- like a lemon dessert where there was liquid nitrogen poured over it, over a <gasps> basket of lemons at the same time, which produced this incredible lemon smell, Whoa. which really made the, the dessert taste so much better. So wow. much better. That was pretty cool. That's exciting. Yeah. Was that Heston Blumenthal or was it that just a, a random restaurant? I think That's it was so one of Gordon Ramsay's actually. <gasps> wow. I, think. I love lemons. Yeah. I love the smell of lemons. What an exciting thing. Oh, I love the theatre of things like that. Liquid nitrogen is so exciting, isn't it? Doesn't it? And it yeah. freezes things. It's oh, that so was disgusting, great. but I used to do lots of medical trials for money when I was a student. And then I had bits of my nose biopsied out in the inside of my nose to use because I'm weirdly unallergic to anything airborne. And they were making, trying to make cures for hay fever. And mm. um, I watched them put the tiny bit of my nose in liquid nitrogen in a pot, like a cauldron, and it like a silver cauldron. It went, that's very cool. And all this steam come up. And I was like, that's ah, that is so cool. That is very um, cool. Yeah, and then the, um, it was may, many years ago now, but she said we've got another one of those nose studies coming up and I'd done two or three. And I went, oh, I, do you know what? I think I'm going to start trying for a baby since I'm not going to do any more of those studies. And she went, oh, looking at the file, you can't do any more anyway. You won't have enough nose left. And I realised <laughs> I'd just never read my consent forms properly and I just thought the bits of nose were growing back. And they were... But they don't? No. <laughs> no! <laughs> I can totally see why you'd think that. I... Probably I just the thought the inside of my nose would grow back, but it's only, it was only the tiniest little bits. I don't. If you're listening and you've never seen me, I don't look like that lady off EastEnders who cocained her nose middle <laughs> way. I've, um, it's, um, it's it's it's. I think everything's fine. Um, uh, do you, do you have any um, like? Do you have any particular hopes, fears, opinions uh, in terms of where you hope eating for people generally will go in the future? Oh, I mean, I hope that more people come to embrace ideas like intuitive eating. Yeah. And a sense of recognizing this. It sounds a bit woo, but it is it is a thing that your body kind of knows what it needs. Yeah. Rather than relying on external people who've never met you to tell you what you should be eating. Yeah. I think 
I think we do need a bit more trust in our own bodies. And mm. I, I do hope that for people that's going to be the case. Looking at public health narratives and just the messages that have been in the media even today mm. and, and in the past few months, the narrative of blaming people and this narrative of personal responsibility is so pervasive and yeah. so oversimplified. We've known for such a long time that our food choices are largely outside of our control. There are certain elements that are within our control that we that are choices that we make. But a lot of our food choices and our health in general is so outside of our control that this narrative of personal responsibility and personal morality yeah. that's attached to health is it's not going away. It's oversimplistic. It's uh, irritating mm. to say the least because it doesn't actually get at the underlying problems of health inequalities and things like that but i just i don't see that going away because you basically just get a bunch of middle class white wankers who decide that what everybody else should be eating without any understanding of the impact of poverty or any kind of inequality socioeconomic factors genetics yeah. nothing yeah and just like ew I'm healthy. I shall tell everybody what to eat. It's like, no, knowing, yeah. having some idea of how to cook does not mean that you're qualified to tell the nation what to eat. Yeah, hundred percent. I wish, do you know what? I Yeah. I, well, obviously, it, I mean, on that, I mean, I think calories on menus, is that still charging ahead? I, I think I live, so. I am. Um, that I terrifies me. I mean, at best, I think that's going to be the death of fun. Um, There's no joy in seeing calories on menus. Plus, no. in, in all in those, in obviously small restaurants don't have to do it, but big restaurants, yeah. if you want that information, you can find it online. It's yeah. with the, it's with all the allergy information. It's very easy yeah. to access online. And why do we need it on the menus as well as online when the people who want to go and find it can find it online? The people who don't want to see it can live bliss in blissful ignorance and just fucking enjoy their food. Yeah. And frankly, the people that want to find it weren't going to be the people that were going to have, you know, the huge energy option, I imagine, you know, and all you're going to do is ruin, ruin the time of people who are, when we're going to have a lovely time enjoying it. Oh, it blows, it blows my mind. I think on a broader scale, I think I want us to be able to get to a point where we can detach what seems to be an unbreakable and unhelpful link in the minds of policymakers, medicine, and just tons of people between just the weight and health. Yeah. I wish we could take a more holistic view of health, even just physical. I think you mm. then you've got another wet water wage if you want people to account for mental health as part of health, even just as physical, even just as basic physical health it's such an arbitrary tiny s section of it you put it beautifully recently as like a jigsaw yes i like to see it that way and the other yeah. way i like that you know looking seeing weight as the epitome of health is basically like having one piece of a jigsaw and trying to decipher what the whole what the whole picture is yeah you can't you just can't also i mean it's your relationship with gravity that's literally yeah. the be all and end all of it it's your relationship with gravity yeah that's it that is that is it. It's it's not that. Yeah, it would be great to have some more nuance with that. I think we have an obsession with physical health over mental health, Yeah, which I think is a um, controversial statement, probably the wrong way around. Yeah. Because the way I see it, if I had to pick one, I'd pick good mental health. Because yeah. if you're in peak physical health, absolute peak, yeah. whatever, that, whatever that looks like to you, whatever that means to you, and you are mentally in a shit place. Yeah. You're not going to enjoy any of that peak physical health. You're no. just not. You're going to be miserable. You're probably not going to like yourself. You're probably not going to do anything with that that would bring you joy. Yeah. You're just going to feel shit. It will it is arguably wasted unless yeah. you are in a decent mental place. So Whereas if you're in a good mental good. place, you can come to a beautiful place of acceptance and self-care even if your physical health isn't great. Yeah, amazing. How beautifully put, thank you. Mmm, delicious. 
A rogue power monk does an ethereal trick, which means everyone's hands turn into watering cans just for a laugh. And at first it's funny and particularly lovely for some low-hanging plants, but quickly we realise it's really unhelpful actually and people struggle with vital things like eating, carrying a cat and text messages. It all kicks off chaos and carnage rule. Imagine a more... Um, widespread ending to that 127 hours film anyway the monk has agreed to reverse the curse but only if you and really it does have to be you pixie agree to do a 17 hour shift as a chrysalis all the while wriggling around in there to the new annoyingly catchy ed sheeran song bad habits before emerging ironically exactly the same as you were before but starving it sounds impossible, but you do it. You're a hero. You've saved us all from a handless existence, watering only. Great big crashing cans around every time you're trying to write a letter. Um, and you, you've done it. So your award in reality is the adulation of all people for all time. You've gone down in history as sort of the new Jesus. But your award in the moment, and bearing in mind you're trapped in a chrysalis for 17 hours wriggling, is a feast of your dreams and it's the opposite of a last meal because you couldn't be happier and you couldn't be hungrier you're ready you're ready primed to feast it's a fantasy feast so nothing has to be possible let alone ethical can give a fuck about health in quotation marks consequences none of that fullness whatever doesn't exist <laughs> i'd love to know um yeah what you would eat what you would drink and uh, if there's a who, with, and where, you can have a who, with, and where, if that, if it matters. I would be in Italy. Oh, yes, please. And watching the sun go down in a T-shirt, feeling still warm. Oh. People watching with a bottle of wine to oh. start with and some fresh bread and olive oil. Mm. Got a favourite wine? Is this a white wine? Just a white wine. Just yeah. a good, oh, um, preferable, if I had to pick one, yeah. uh, an Etna wine from oh. Mount Etna. Oh, okay. I, had a, I had that in Sicily and oh, so good. Okay. But I would get just a feast of loads of, not small plates, no, no, these are going to be big plates of yeah. everything. Of, oh, a, a, just a tagliatelle with fresh tomato sauce and the biggest drizzle of olive oil but like mm. italian tomatoes made by some nonna who knows exactly what she's doing i would have some padron peppers oh love. with salted almonds oh i'd have a risotto just a basic parmesan risotto so creamy and absolutely mm. beyond delicious. Just melt in the mouth, creamy deliciousness. Glorious. I would have some tuna carpaccio. Mm. So good. Okay. So good. I would have a I would have a bowl of olives. Mm. I would I'd probably have some more bread. Just give me all the bread. Yeah. Probably wouldn't go for a pizza at that point, actually. No. But I would go for also a burrata. Oh, God, yes. A whole burrata on just a bed of fresh, like, rocket and a oh. few, like, microgreens and basil. Oh, fucking basil. I was so hoping you were about to say basil. <laughs> it's got to be one of those ones that just... I've only recently discovered them at my local pizza place. Then when they burst, it's like nothing I've ever tasted, the creamy insides of a burrata. If you haven't, if you're listening and you haven't tried that yet and you eat cheese, can you sort that out next time you can afford some? It is extraordinary and it's a new experience to have as an adult that you suddenly go, oh, mm. and I thought I'd tried all the things and now I've found this. Yep, yep. God, I'm really happy about your choices here. I would also have a bowl of um, spaghetti with a tomato and lemon sauce. Yum, yum. Because why not? And yeah. probably a bowl of carbonara as well. Mm. Like the proper Italian carbonara. No yeah. cream. No, no, no. No cream. The yeah. proper way. Yeah. The way it's supposed to be. Great. Yeah, all of that. And then just Sick. a bowl of fresh tomatoes dressed with a little bit of balsamic, olive oil, salt and pepper. 
Yeah, I'd quite like that. I'd quite mm. like to be there. But who are you actually having there? No, I'd just be on my own. Just on your own, fine. Just let me sit there on my own. I love it when people say that. Fuck other people, Um, they just get in my way. (laughs) Let me sit there and savour everything on my own. I don't need anybody else. (laughs) I don't want other people's opinions and mouth noises getting in my way. Yes. Great. What a smashing answer. Thank you so much for doing this silly podcast. God, what a wise young owl. I love getting to grill guests like that in amongst all the clowns. Delightful. Follow her on Instagram, please, at Pixie Nutrition, one word. The documentary that she's a key part of about that bell lady that did all the lies about being ill and curing it with eating fuck all um, is on iPlayer now and it's called Bad Influencer, The Great Instacon. Please check that out. It's a really good watch and I think it it does a very good job of it's not like a Netflix documentary it's a BBC documentary so it does a genuinely good job of um, balance and compassion I think in the face of someone who's done something kind of pretty objectively shocking come and see Powerhouse and Powerhouse that's not the name it's called Powerhouse Maybe I'll call the next show Powerhouse um, in Greenwich on the 28th of July and come and see Hench on tour. All links to all of my live stuff is as ever on my website, jessicafosterq.com. Same place you can go if you want to send me an email, actually. Anything longer than a tweet. Um, If you come and see Hench on tour, I know it's already sold out in Glasgow, Edinburgh and Newcastle, um, but there are definitely a few left in the enormous venues of Sheffield and Bristol. I think there's a few tickets in Bath. I think Manchester evenings are sold out, um, but there's tickets for the matinee shows all these shows are still distanced um and i'm gonna keep it that way while we get used to this new freedom that i'm sort of half excited about half terrified about like most people i think um there's a few tickets left in liverpool cambridge is sold out great well hopefully i can see you there hopefully one of those is near your house and you can come and watch it and um, say hello um links to everything pixie and i mentioned and everything i've just wanged on about for you to come and watch are as ever in the podcast notes feel free to support the podcast give it a five-star review why don't you or you can give it cash go to patreon and uh, become one of my beloved financial supporters in exchange for really good podcast related stuff follow the podcast at the hoovering pod follow me at jessica fosterkew on all of social media huge thanks huge who's that huge thanks to acast for hosting the podcast hoovering is produced by emma caution and the music is by mike greenway until next week happy hoovering here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.